This is Ronnie Ann Ryan, intuitive coach, and welcome to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. In this show, we'll talk about mystical methods, spiritual practices, and magic to grow spiritually, live well, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, connect with spirit, and embrace the magic that is all around you. To learn more about intuitive coaching with me or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate it or write a review and subscribe and share it with a friend. May good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. And now, on with the show! On this episode of the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast, I'm speaking with Robin Clare. Robin's path to fulfilling her destiny began by leaving her traditional 25-year MBA business career and traveling the globe to study with spiritual masters. But first, Robin had to reveal her deep secret of struggling for four decades with food, addiction, and bulimia. She dug deep into her current and past lives to heal wounds that had blocked her success. Now in recovery, Robin is an award-winning coach, recovery medium, best-selling spiritual author, and highly regarded speaker and teacher. She's documented her extraordinary spiritual journey in the highly acclaimed Messiah Within, which I did read, followed by Amazon bestsellers, The Divine Keys. She will release The Hidden Truth Within Trauma in 2023. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Ronnie. So nice to be with you. So I remember reading and loving Messiah Within, Let's go to King Solomon Speaks. Now, why King Solomon? He had the last temple. He did. Just for your listening audience, my books are channeled from the Ascended. And so the Ascended Masters, if we were still in our corporate setting, Ronnie, would be the direct reports to God. That's how. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So King Solomon is one of them. Two of my books I wrote with Yeshua or Jesus as most know him as, and then Sophia, the divine feminine or the Holy Spirit is who helped me to write Feast and Famine. I'm not sure who's coming in to write the hidden truth within trauma with me. I've gotten my marching orders. They gave me all the chapters to write, but I don't know who's talking to me. So I need to do a little bit more work on that. Going back to King Solomon, King Solomon appeared in my bedroom and said to me, Robin, I need my army of spiritual seekers to stop seeking seeking and start serving. So I said, okay, how do we do that? And he's like, well, let's write a book. You're the book writer. I'm like, yeah, I'm the book writer. And he's like, okay, so I'm next. I want you to do this with me. But it turned out to be a series of meditations that took place at each of the seven earth chakras across the globe. What King Solomon said is that if you could align your individual chakra with the earth chakra, your chakra would expand so quickly and so far that you would be able to hold the energy that's required to really live a life of service for the divine. And so that's, that was the intention of those meditations. And they're out there in SoundCloud. And if anybody would like them, I don't charge for those meditations. They can just contact me at Robin H. Claire, C-L-A-R-E at gmail.com. I'll put it in the notes. King Solomon came after King David. I know that. Solomon had the second temple that which was destroyed in 70 AD in Jerusalem. Wow. But I'm just curious why King Solomon, like what came through about him? What was he about to you? Can you give us any like recap or overview? I mean, wasn't he the really wise one that said 
there was that Bible yeah. story where he, there were two women fighting over a yes. baby, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. he was like, all right, well, we'll just cut the baby in half and then you can have half. And, and so the real mother was like, no, no. And so then he gave it to the woman who was like, give her the baby. So the woman who was willing to give it away, he figured was the real mother. Yeah. So he had this, that's true. I remember reading that. And it, so he had this incredible wisdom, but one of the things that is associated with King Solomon in my studies of him, esoteric studies is that he was an incredible energy healer and, yeah. and he, and, and the way that they built the temple, cause how could they have built that temple then? Right. They didn't even have a, a tractor, right? How did they do it? And so there's this idea that perhaps they used advanced energy techniques and technology in order to lift up the boulders and move them into place and do all these things, just like they did at, at Machu Picchu and, and different other sites right. across the globe that were so extraordinary, but so beyond their time. Like, how did these things get built when you just had a man and an ox, right? So I think why King Solomon is so connected to these earth chakras is because there's a knowing that the these places were beyond the capacity and the belief of mankind at the time. And so they had to suspend that in order to be able to use advanced energy technology. And I think he came back to say, hey, my spiritual army, I need all of you to get with the program and stop living in accordance with your human nature. Stop thinking you're not healed enough and get out there and be of service. And so I think this happened during COVID. If you look in, in Messiah Within, he stopped by then, answered one of the questions for me. And then, as I said, he came back in my dream and said, it's time. And that's what I did for him. So I think that he's all about energy, living as in connection, in oneness with the divine energy that's out there, the divine universal energy. Just like wow. all the other teachers, great teachers were, they understood that we're all one, meaning that we all come from the same source and we all have access to that source. So we are all of and a part of all universal energy. And if we can really understand that, and that's what we were going to, we're leaning towards the conversation, which is really the first place to connect to that vast universal energy that's out there is to learn to connect to your soul, right? Well, it's funny because right now I've been working with the mantras. I listen to some chants on YouTube in the morning to help start my day. So I've been listening to one from Kundalini Yoga, which is Rama Dasa Sase Sohung. And that is sun, moon, earth, infinity, all that is infinity, I am thee. So it's exactly what you're saying. The woman who sings it, it's just marvelous. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I love chanting that I'm part of infinity, that I'm part of everything. That's a great way to start my day, to remind myself that I'm bigger than just me. I just listened to Michael Singer. He's a, he's a wonderful spiritual. Yeah, no. He did yeah. the untethered soul yeah. and, he, and he just did living in a place of surrender. He thing. wrote a book, The Surrender Experiment. Yes, which I loved. And, yeah, I love that. I liked it a lot better than the untethered soul. And in this book, he makes this, he spends like one of the entire sessions on science. And I'm like, oh my God, hang in there, Robin. Because <laughs> I'm not a science girl. Like when people yeah. start talking science, my eyes glaze over and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm like, just listen, just listen. So here's the bottom line of this whole science segment. 
We had his take in 19.8, and it's probably more now because whenever his, his thing came out, 19.8 billion years to get to where we are today. So everything that upsets us in front of, that we're looking at, it's taken them 19.8 billion years to get to where they are too, or 19.8 billion years for a situation to get where it is. So when you start putting it in perspective, it makes it easier to recognize that you really can't change anything or control anything except for maybe who you are, because that's evolution right there. Even your partner, they've had 19.8 billion years of evolution of that soul coming and returning and returning and re their parents returning and returning and returning their community. And then oh, there they are. Right. And then we think, oh, we can change them right? We can make them change. And what he was saying in, in this course is as long as you're thinking you can change them, you're the only one that's going to be frustrated. I'm lucky to change myself. So never mind oh. somebody else. I don't know about you, but <laughs> taking on changing somebody else is definitely a path that leads to heartbreak. So it's interesting though, that you bring up this idea of the chakras and connecting the chakras to the earth, because I was listening to somebody else's podcast, Beard Speakers. There are two women who are psychics and intuitives and healers. One of the women was saying she can no longer ground to the earth in the traditional way, like putting roots down. She says that that just doesn't work for her anymore at all. And what she's been doing is wrapping herself up with the planet and connecting with the planet instead. And it just brought me to what you were saying about connecting the chakras to different places on the earth. She said for her, she connects to the earth through the heart now. I thought that was really interesting that there are changes going on about that. And then the next thing you know, you're telling me about connecting the different chakras to different places on earth. So I think there's a lot of that shifting going on that's being recognized and emerging through many people like yourself who mm -hmm. have the ability to connect with spirit and ascended masters and bring forth that same kind of information. And when that happens, I don't know, I always find that very reassuring. I remember years ago when Cryon, maybe seven or eight years ago, channeled by Lee Carroll, said that we had finally tipped the scale on positivity. We only needed to be like a hair over. So it was, I think he said it had gotten to 26. And so it only needed to be 25. In other words, in order to balance the darkness, you only needed 25% light and 26 tipped the scale even further. And this was like seven or eight years ago. And I remember at the time, I don't know what was going on, but I was like, oh, I really hope that's true. <laughs> Letting that sink in and how good it felt. And then I was listening to this other podcast yesterday and they were like, oh yeah, we've tipped the scale and we have enough light now. Oh, I've heard that before. So when I hear those kinds of things, I get so excited. Because it's from more than one source. Bringing that up is going to bring me back to King Solomon for a moment. He wanted the, his spiritual army to do these meditations so that if enough of them did it and raise their vibration, it would also bring us to a tipping point on the planet where the rest of humanity would come into higher consciousness. Now, that doesn't mean that they're sitting there having conversations like this, but they're just not living in their very depressing human existence. They're being kinder and nicer and more helpful. Being spiritual means that you just have an internal relationship with your own divine source. And then you take that internal relationship and you bring it out. And so when you were talking about the healer that connects with the earth, I do too in my meditation. I start with a spark inside of me 
and I expand it to myself through myself. And then I expand it out in, into my field. Before I get to the all being, I see the earth and I see my light going around the earth's circumference. Ah, see, that's so the that same thing. Yeah. So I'm sharing my light with the earth and then I expand my light out into all universal energy and into oneness with them. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, where am I? It's almost like I go into this different level of consciousness. The best way I can describe it is that it's this feeling of peace and love. It's not scary. It's when I come back to my own consciousness, I'm part of that. And it's just all love and peace. And it's in that space where you'll receive the most guidance for your life. You're, you'll get the answers. If you have questions, I'll say, does anybody have a message for anyone that I know that they would want to share with me so I could bring it to them? Does anybody have a message for me, like my spiritual team I'm working with? So it's in this connection and it doesn't have to be very long. It could be 10 minutes, right? right. Everybody I think can find 10 minutes. I'm saying everybody, I struggle in the morning to do that 10 minutes too, because I'd rather look at TikTok or let the dog out or get breakfast. I have to do this because if we're going to live connected to our soul and connected to our spiritual helpers, I call them our spirit guides, angels, deceased loved ones, whomever ascended masters, we have to meet them where they are and where they are is in the present moment. And so they don't live in the past in regret. They don't live in the future in worry. They live in the present. And so the more that we can get present, the more we're able to hear and connect with these beings that are just on call for us to ask questions and get guidance. On call. You know why I say on call, Ronnie? Because they won't interfere unless you ask. Oh, yes. I know that very well. When people come to me for readings and they want to sit there and go, tell me what you see and what's going to happen in my life. I get nothing. I have nothing to say because there's no question. That's not a question. That is a passive act of wanting someone to tell you what's going to happen. You know, there's a place for that. And it's just not what I do. Because for me, I work with people who are actively participating in their life and yeah. who want to know about their direction and are taking part in what's happening rather than just thinking it's all happening to them, that they are mm -hmm. participating and co-creating. This idea of co-creation, a lot of people just feel they're co-creating with their human partner or their business manager. Oh, no, no, no. That's only one part of their lives. That's the human day-to-day -day thing. But the real partnership is with your own soul. Yes. And that is what makes all those other partnerships better, right. right? You're just dealing with those other people's human nature and yours. And you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Why is this person saying this, right? You're just like stuck there. But when you can bring in the other aspects, co-creation with the universe, then you bring a whole different perspective to those relationships. So I'm not saying don't have those relationships, but that's the best version of you that you're bringing when you stay in contact. Well, that makes total sense to me. And that's part of what we wanted to cover today anyway, right? Was to talk about being in touch with your higher self, being in touch with your guide and gaining access to that higher level wisdom. Although this is a curious thing. Recently, one of my clients said to me, well, what's the right job for me to be in? I said, you're here to figure that out. They tell you, then what have you learned? 
So let's break that down because I have lived both myself. Every book that I've written has been a request from a spiritual master. They even give me the titles and I've had publishing people say, that's not a good title. You'll need to change that. And I'll be like, I don't think I have a choice. If Jesus says to you, write a book and it's called Messiah Within, are you going to change the title? Probably not right? (laughs) There's a reason why he wants it called that. I have received that kind of guidance. So why is that? One time I was walking on the beach and I receive a message from the divine. Do spiritual people think that they are living these very interesting lives for their own entertainment? And I'm like, "Mm, I'm sure there's quite a few that do. Because they make great stories, don't they? Like when you have like a real kind of cool spiritual thing happen, like you could tell it at a party, it's kind of fun, or you tell your spiritual girlfriends, right? And they said, well, if we tell them why they're here, will they stop searching, stop seeking and start serving? And so I said, okay, so then I have this program called the soul plan. I don't really do it anymore. I guess I would do it if, if someone convinced me, but how the soul plan worked always was so interesting. We are a soul being having a human being experience, bottom line. Right. And our soul has been guiding the way from the moment incarnated into this body. So every experience, good, bad, and ugly has been directed by our soul, whether we participate or not, that's our free will. But our soul is always trying to get us to the place where we agreed to before we incarnated into this physical body, what we wanted to achieve as a soul being. Right. So we got our soul being that's saying, Hey, I got to get over here to X, Y, and Z. And our bodies of human beings saying, well, you know, but I have all this trauma and I'm suffering and I don't like this person and I'm not going to do it. And so then you have your soul saying, okay, well, we, we have to get here. That's what you agreed to. That's what we agreed to before we came into this body. So our soul is constantly giving us experiences so that we can get to this ending place. That's why you have these, what I call trauma patterns. It seems like the same thing is happening to you over and over again. Same relationships. Why is this to keep happening to me, right? But it's your soul saying, hey, we got to learn that. As soon as you learn it, it'll go away. We won't bother you with that again. But why does this keep happening to you? You got to look at it. You got to heal the suffering, right? You got to do all these things so we can move on to the next thing. So in my life, when I first went on the spiritual path, I made my spiritual mantra, bring it on, which meant spirit was going to bring me and my soul was going to bring me experiences to heal my life that have been just exhausting and on the floor, crying in a fetal position, trying to heal my own suffering trauma in my life. One of the things I'm re- in related to the career that I found very interesting in doing the soul plan was that hidden in all of our trauma is our service plan. And that's what my next book is about. This service that we're here to do. Remember, Spirit keeps saying, stop seeking and start serving. Right. Well, I want to get to how people can understand what their service model is for their soul here in this life. I've had mothers who their service model is to raise these brilliant children so that they can do something incredible in the world, the kids. Yeah. Like it's not just about what you're going to do. It's going to be, it's just, so you have to follow your soul plan. You have to see where your soul is taking you in this lifetime. And in your career, you'll see there's a pattern in your career. It's taking you to your soul destiny in relationship to your career so that you can serve. It's funny. I'm saying all this, Ronnie, and I didn't, haven't even thought about it, that this is really part of the book, but I didn't know that. 
if I'm going to tell people what's the hidden truth in trauma is your service model, how do you get there? But honestly, our soul has been guiding us from the moment we incarnated and all of these experiences, good, bad, and ugly. You have to look at them and say, why did I have to go through this? Where did that take me to next? It's like a review of your soul's journey in this lifetime. And that I have seen in doing the soul plan, an understanding of where you've been will take you to where you need to be. And because I'm so open to knowing where I'm going next and how I can serve next, because I stood on my deck for almost a year saying to the divine, how can I be of greater service to mankind? It didn't matter if it was snowing, raining, hot as hell, mosquito land. I did for an entire year so that they knew that I was serious. And because they know I'm serious about serving, they're willing to talk to me because they know I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to get to my next level of, of development on that bring it on plan. They're like, we're your partner. I'm like, I know that. It's just a joke. It's just, I tease them. Hidden in your whole life story is what you're intended to do. Let's talk about service for a minute, because I think that could be an interesting discussion. Service isn't only about being Mother Teresa. No. And, and, and it's funny. I thought you were going to say service isn't only about work. I know I am a divine spark of God. And that's that spark that lives inside of me. So how am I going to be outward? Who are people going to be on the street? Like my daughter was teasing me. I was in New York visiting her and people kept coming up to me on the street and talking to me. She goes, you know, my people don't do that. And I'm like, they don't? Because that happens to me all the time. Because that's where I live from. I live from this divine spark. How can I serve? Services. I just help my mother through her transition. I help my children, clients, the community when I can. How do you help others? I help the divine. I'm in service to the divine. I get books out for them, right? That they want us to know. I come on podcasts. We all serve or we serve our children by giving them good values and motivation and understanding boundaries, right? We help our partners by setting those as well, right? Saying, this is what I will be like in relationship and this is what I won't. So we're constantly serving ourselves and everyone that we're in contact with. I feel like even at a store, if I say hello to a person who's working there, I'm being of service. This definition of service helps me a lot because probably a long time I had this idea that service was volunteer work. And I have to admit to you that I don't really love volunteer work. I have volunteered a number of times. I've been on boards for organizations, networking things, or I volunteered at an art gallery or at a hospital. It's not my best way to be of service. You're you're being of service right here, right now. Well, yes, I'm helping spread a message. I'm spreading my message. I'm spreading your message. And so I love that the definition of service can incorporate who I already am. I love that. That is such a relief for me (laughs) because... So many people say, well, you're not being a service. You have to go and feed the hungry. I mean, that is truly, that is service too. Yes. But we all choose, right? We choose how we serve. Why we're lucky is we can see the correlation between what we do for work and service. And yet everybody is serving. Whatever you're doing in your job for sure is service, but you also have to be of service to yourself. Your meditation is a service to yourself, your daily mantra. It is about living the best version of you. 
If you are a divine spark, then God is looking through your eyes. What would God see? Right? Yeah. And that's what I was practicing. It's funny that weekend I was in New York, I was practicing that. I was like, I'm going to let the world see God in my eyes, see the divine spark within me. And that's why all these people kept coming up to me. They were very pleasant. They were, <laughs> they were like, hi. And I'm like, hi, how are you? And they're like, I don't know why I'm talking to you. But they kept like coming up to me. My daughter's like, what is going on with you, mom? I said, I'm pretending. Pretending, maybe that's not a good word. I I said, said, it's an excellent word. Yeah, I'm pretending to be God. And that's how I look at them. Like how I think God would look at them, smile at them, be kind. And so that everybody can do, can't they? Have kindness in their eyes and acknowledge other people. My children, my son in particular hated that about me when he was growing up. He's like, mom, do you have to say hi to everyone? I'm like, yes, I do, Garrett. Maybe they're having a bad day. And if I say hi, maybe they'll feel better. And he's like, all right. You know, and some people are really shocked when you say hello, aren't they? Yeah. I look at it as acknowledgement because when you say hello to somebody, you've acknowledged that you see them, they exist, you're and that you're respecting them enough to engage and acknowledge them. So that is ultimately thinking about the history of body language. The wave came from caveman showing the open palm which meant I have no weapon. But now though it turned into a wave like hello it became a greeting, but it was a greeting then too. The greeting was, you don't have to fear me. I have no weapon. And that's what's showing the open promise. And that's what we now consider a wave. And and that's what I say about flirting, you know, from my 20 years of being a, a love and dating coach, mostly you're just acknowledging somebody else. You smile at them, which is another acknowledgement. I, it says, I see you. A lot of people want to be seen. Some people want to hide, but a lot of people want to be seen and hurt. So when you say hello, you're acknowledging them. When you smile at them, you're uh, acknowledging them. That is a service Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And we can do that. Especially I'm really conscious of doing that to elder people. So here's a funny little story. I was waiting in line at a deli to get some deli stuff and a woman was holding on to her cart for dear life, very old. And she was with her son that was maybe my age. And I hear a message, compliment her on her ring. And I said, okay, that's that's easy enough. So I said, excuse me, ma'am, but I just want to tell you that that is one of the most beautiful rings I've ever seen. And she's like, oh, young lady, you just made my day. Today is the day my father passed away. And this was the ring that he gave me. Oh, and, and she said, so this just made this day even more special. Yeah. And not like my son, he's never noticed this ring. And I go, okay, well, have a nice day. And I just sort of like stepped away, like went down one more person. I'll just tell another story. One time I was in um, uh, Mount Shasta and I was staying in a hotel. And this was when I was riding with Silith and working with Yeshua, Jesus. And he said, can you go outside now and bring $10? And I said, I don't think so. It's dark out. Like I'm kind of obstinate. I may, I may do what they say, but I kind of am like, no, he's like, no, I'll protect you. Just go outside. So it was me and all of these homeless people outside. Oh my gosh. He says, see that young man at the diner, bring him the $10. So I go to the diner and the guy's sitting, young man. 20s with his head down. And I said, excuse me. I said, but Jesus asked me to give you this $10. Oh my God. (laughs) He's like, oh ma'am. He said, I am so hungry. And I've been praying all night to Jesus that he could give me $10 for breakfast. Get out. 
And I said, well, here's your $10 from Jesus. He's like, thank you. Thank you. I don't know what this means, but I feel like this will shift my life because he answered my prayers. And I said, he always answers our prayers. Just remember that. And he, and she, and he was like, thank you so much, ma'am. And then I, I walked back to the hotel. Like I'm walked back through the sea of homeless people and nobody said boo to me. That is an amazing story. Oh my gosh. You want one more? I got one more. This is Go a ahead. good one. I was sitting in Panera watching my car was being fixed at the mobile station there. And I was watching General Hospital because that is my guilty pleasure. And the guide said, see that woman over there? Can you get up and tell her that we love her? And I said, I don't want to. And they're like, get up. Like <laughs> That's how they got mad at me because I'm, I'm prioritizing a soap opera. And it really wasn't that I was prioritizing this. So Barbara, I was intimidated. All of these times I'm intimidated. Hey, you're human. Because you're allowed. You don't right? That's my human part is saying, I'm not walking up to a stranger, stranger, right? So I walk up to her. I said, excuse me. I said, but I, I'm a spiritual messenger. And I've gotten a message to say to you that God loves you. And she looks at me. She goes, oh my God. She goes, I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to commit suicide because nobody loves me, including God. And she said, and I was just sitting here saying, if you really love me, God, then you need to send someone to tell me that you love me. And so this is service, right? Having the courage, first of all, really getting beyond yourself to hear the message and know that it's not just something going on in your head, that you're going to do the right thing, right? You're going to be of service. And then following through, through getting out of your own way and not being intimidated, not afraid to confront somebody or say the wrong thing. And so those were just three examples of when the divine sent me to serve by just being kind. I got to say, those are very impressive stories. Yeah. You're bringing me to tears. Wow. Well, our time is up, but what a way to go. Thank yeah, you so much, to... Robin. Welcome, Ronnie. This was really fun. It was really fun. Those are some great stories. We'll give all the listeners access to the divine meditations from In King Solomon Speaks. Mm -hmm. So they'll be able to see that in the show notes. And thanks for being with me here today and with the listeners. You're welcome. Goodbye, everybody. Have a Thank you for listening today. If you're curious about intuitive coaching or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it or write a review and subscribe to never miss an episode and share the magic with a friend. This is Ronnie and Ryan wishing you love and magic.